Welcome to the Tea Grannies. I'm Elise. And I'm Maria. Today we're here to talk about workshop groups. This episode will focus on how to find a writing group and what happens once you do. So pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get started. So we've been in a group for four years since 2017 with our fellow graduates from the Writer's Studio online. A few of us just banded together and decided that the workshopping from our courses was hugely, hugely beneficial and we wanted to keep doing it. Um, so Maria has graciously taken over the organization of the group um, and we bow down to her weekly because none of us would be able to handle that. Uh, she's great. Uh, so if you have someone like that in your circles, you're golden. Um, but yeah, we've been doing this for four years and we've been really enjoying it, uh, seeing how the group progresses and how everyone grows together. And so we thought... Let's talk about that because often we don't think about workshop groups as being integral to the writing process, but I think that's going to be one of the biggest benefits to any writer out there is if you can have a group of people who get to know your work and get to know your style, um, but they're able to still be critical and give honest feedback and help you grow. Some of the biggest benefits I think that we've noticed together is just how those outside eyes will be so crucial to getting you some space and some distance from your work. It's it helps so much for getting you to step, take a step back and just look at it critically because when you've just written it down, when you've just finished that draft, um, you've powered through those chapters, it's really hard to be <laughs> objective. So that's probably primary benefit. Um, and surrounding yourself with these people who will honestly tell you what to think about your work um, is going to be so much more helpful than trying to do it all yourself. This can also make things tricky because whenever you're in a group of people, you're going to have a variety of opinions and no two people will always agree on the same things. Um, but I think we really want to drive home that it's more beneficial than detrimental in the long run. And actually those conflicts through opinions can be so interesting and so helpful for determining like, okay, who's my target audience and am I pleasing them or am I pleasing somebody else? And do I need to make that switch? Um, and so many times I've seen just these kind of conflicts between this person said this about my project, this person said that about it. I know this person reads in my genre. I know this person doesn't. So what can I take from the person who doesn't that is going to be, um, insight that I wouldn't have otherwise had and what can I just let go because they just don't read in that genre. It can be such, such a huge help. Um, and then these people, as they get to know you, they'll notice the flaws in your plot more quickly. Um, and especially people who don't read in your genre, they can notice the flaws in your plot more quickly than someone who does. And it can be very impressive <laughs> how they do that and how <laughs> blind we are to our own like tropes and things. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. Like, um, getting outside eyes on your work is so important because something like there can be a, a big mistake, a, a big plot hole or something that's offensive. You didn't mean for it to be offensive and they will catch it for you like way before you go and embarrass yourself querying that piece to an agent or, or self-publishing it. Like that would be even worse mm -hmm. as uh, so you need to get those other eyes on your work and having a workshop group, um, you know, you're doing it for each other for free, right? You're not you're not paying someone to read your work and give you feedback, which is nice. It's sort of like a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours scenario. Mm -hmm. So you do 10 pages of theirs and they'll do 10 pages of yours. And then, you know, it's quite a fair setup. Um, and we'll get into a little more about feedback and things like that shortly. But the thing I wanted to touch on is the 
single best way to improve your, your own writing is to participate in a workshop group and work on other people's writing. So when you see your mistakes in someone else's work, you're gonna, it's gonna drive the point home so much better than someone being like, hey, I didn't like that. Yeah. You're gonna see it, you're gonna help them fix it. And your work will improve, like whether you're aware of it or not. Uh, if you compare your work from, you know, like when I look at stuff from when we first started workshopping in our group to now, like major difference. And a lot of the issues that I had at the beginning of the workshop group are completely non-existent now. So I broke a lot of bad habits and fixed a lot of things over time by working with a group. Okay, so a group might be a really good idea, but how do you find one? That's probably the biggest question when everyone, whenever someone talks about workshop groups or finding people to read your work. How, how do you find those people? You can't just cold call them or send them a message randomly when you've never talked to them before because they won't like that, I can guarantee you. Um, but there, there are other ways. There are other ways to do this, I promise. So we've talked about the Creative Academy on here before. It's a lovely, lovely online community where writers just kind of band together and encourage each other to get things done. Um, so I would say this is probably one of the best platforms that I've seen where this could be a possibility. And the Creative Academy has all these different subgroups. So once you join the platform, you can join things like the um, speculative fiction genre group or the memoir genre group or poetry or whatever it is that you write. And then you're going to be seeing posts from people that are like really in that same zone. Um, and I would say that's a really good place to start if you're looking for people that you want to be um, consistently commenting on your work, um, comment on some posts, get to know a few people. And then when you feel like you've been reaching out and you've made some connections, that might be a good time to announce your intention to say, I'd love to start a writing group with some people. Is there anyone who's interested? Anyone who's looking for a group? Because guaranteed there will be people out there who want that same thing. Um, and then see who's ready to join. And you might even find some familiar faces that you've, you've commented on their posts, they've commented on yours. Um, and then with that little bit of networking, you're good to go. And if it's like two or three people to start, whatever, that's, um, that's plenty to get going. And you can add people along the way. We've added someone to our group a couple of years in and she's just totally fit right in and it's a great time. And sometimes too, if you post on Creative Academy, you might be invited to join an already formed workshop group, which is kind of nice and you don't have to take on the admin part. Um, but yeah, if you've taken any writing courses, like we obviously took the writer studio and that's how we found each other. But if you do like any online writing courses, anything like that, you could reach out to your classmates and see if they're interested. Um, you could also start a chat with other writers on social media and find group members that way. Yeah. So if you're not keen to organize, uh, you can still get a few people together and see who's willing to do the admin work mm -hmm. of the group. Um, do keep in mind that this is free labor. So be <laughs> ready to commit to it or share the load with another group member. Uh, it is, it's a not too much work. Um, I guess because I like doing it, it doesn't seem like such a burden. Mm. But for for some people, it might not be as uh, as enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> so we have one person in charge of the scheduling, which is me. And so I do pages are due like the second Wednesday of every month. And then we do a workshop about two weeks later. And we do like it in a in a live chat, like a Google chat. Uh, so everybody can 
It's like being on a phone call sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I find people are more forthcoming with feedback when they're chatting versus when they're leaving comments on the work. So the live workshop has been, been really good. Um, And we just changed our group. We used to have a page limit of 10 pages, uh, but some people were not doing the same size font. So they're sneaking in more words and it was more work. So we have just changed it to a word count limit of like 3000 to 3,500 words uh, per submission. And then it's like 12 point font, double spaced. And that way it's a little more consistent. Um, And during workshops, uh, we start with positive feedback first, followed by constructive criticisms. And that way, you know, you're not tearing everybody down with the hard stuff first. (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's really important. We will get into more details about giving and receiving feedback and some strategies for that. But yeah, starting with positive and then following with gently worded constructive criticism is yes, gently worded. best practice. <laughs> and I've been in a, in a couple different groups. Like I was in the writer's studio with everyone. And then I also took um, some classes at the local university and they ran things essentially the same way. Um, and I found that that is the most beneficial. It gets the most positive reactions from the people who are being mm-hmm. critiqued. Um, so I'll just quickly go over some technical items to consider, especially if you're doing this group remotely or online, as many of us are, um, because there's not just one way to do it. If you happen to be in a group that they just don't, you can't get your schedules to work out for a video call and you can't meet up live, um, you can totally just send comments back and forth. And that we did that for a little bit. There are some months where we just, we can't meet up all together. So we'll just Mm -hmm. email our comments to each other and that can work, um, just as well. We've found that with the live workshops, it's more of a deadline. It gets people to submit more consistently. And then I find for myself, it helps me to actually like sit down and be like, okay, I have to talk about this in front of real life people. So I need to actually sit down and do my comments and do them well. I can't just, you know, um, make stuff up and yeah, let's not do that. You can't let's wing be, it. You can't yeah, wing it. There's no wing in it. I want, I need to prepare in advance. Um, and that's a good, a good discipline for me. Mm-hmm. So we meet on Google meets because most of us have Gmail and it's free. Um, if that doesn't work for you, people don't have Gmail, they haven't adapted to it, whatever you can use zoom. Although I'm not sure how the paid stuff works on there. So you'll have to check that out. But then another platform I've heard of, I believe it's open source. I know it's free. It's called Jitsi, J-I-T-S-I. That's another video call platform that you can use. And you don't have to have a specific account. I think you can just like email or send the link um, in some kind of chat and everyone should be able to join that. So there's all sorts of options for that. And then for actually making the comments and sending your pages and stuff, it's really helpful if you use a format that everyone has access to. So if you're on a Mac and using Mm -hmm. pages, PC users won't be able to open your work. Um, So the most uh, convertible format is uh, DocX documents. Um, If you don't want to pay for Word, Microsoft Word, but you don't like Google Docs either, those are both great platforms that have the comments and the track changes and you can make editing work really well. Um, if you don't want to pay for Word and you don't like Google Docs, there are other options as well. There's some free open source options like LibreOffice or OnlyOffice. I've used both of them interchangeably and the compatibility with Word and, and Docs is much improved from when people were using it in the early days and saying that it was not good. So... Um, if you're, if you're doing like complex, complex design and layout stuff, you might have trouble with what's, with some of the free platforms. But if you're just doing straight text and 
some comments on the side and some track changes, editing features, LibreOffice, OnlyOffice, Google Docs, Microsoft Word, they all do the same thing and they will, they will communicate with each other pretty well. So that should work just fine. How to give feedback. This is a big one. Uh, you'll need to have some rules with your group on delivering feedback. Um, there's some basic things like be polite and fair. Uh, you should also be honest and straightforward and positive as much as possible. Uh, it's pretty daunting to give your work to people and have them look at it and tell you what's wrong with it. Uh, so it is important to be as nice as you can be. And also keep in mind that you're only seeing pieces of the story at a time. So if you're workshopping like 10 pages of someone's story and you're seeing it over a period of like six months, well, yeah, there's some stuff that you're not going to know because you've only read 10 pages. Just like if you're reading a real book in front of you, like a published book, uh, you have to keep reading to find out. So keep that in mind as well. What works for me is I read the piece as a reader first and I go with my kind of reactions of like, oh, I really like this or like, this is great. Love this character's name. Like, I totally see their motivation here. Like just stuff that I would maybe think when I was reading a book for myself. And then I also, if something kind of jumps out at me as not being right or doesn't make sense, I will make a comment there. And then I go through uh, one more time uh, kind of as a writer and I go, okay, how would I fix this? The thing that I bumped on that I didn't like? Um, or how could I intensify this? Like, what would I do? What's my advice? And then I also do overall comments, uh, usually at the end of the document, like my overall thoughts for where this piece fits in in the story uh, as a whole, or as much as I've read so far. And that tends to be like pretty broad. Mm -hmm. um, and when we do the workshop, we, I tend to go through like, I go overall, like, I love this, I pretty much say that all the time. And then <laughs> I go into um, kind of what I liked as I went through and then what wasn't working for me and then my thoughts for fixing that and then my overall comments. Um, so, yeah, and and just think if you're not 100% sure how to give feedback, mm -hmm. have a look at some Goodreads reviews for your favorite book and then tell me how you feel because that is probably one of the meanest places I've seen on the internet is yeah. reviews. <laughs> they are just savage. So it takes mm -hmm. a lot of work to write a book and it's scary to send it out into the world. Uh, even if you're only sending it to like three people in a workshop group. Yeah. So it is, you know, be kind, even if you don't like it, it's not your genre. You can find something good to say about it. So that's all well and good, but how do you criticize someone positively like people say that all the time be nice be honest um and then everyone's sitting there like okay but if I don't like it I don't like it like how do you sugarcoat that um and sugarcoating is like I'm not talking about sugarcoating I don't think that's the right word because um I think a lot of people struggle with, with this because they just they just want to say it as it is they just want to be blunt and straightforward um and and just give the opinion and not beat around the bush because, you know, effective communication. Yeah, that's great. But um, as great as that is, there are ways to do that in a way that is not going to be blunt and hurtful. It's going to be actually helpful and constructive. And depending on your tone, depending on how you say things, if you say it in a way that is 
too straightforward. That could mitigate any positive effect that your comment might have, end up having on the person because that writer isn't, they're not in a position to receive that comment well. Their guard is up, they get defensive, and, um, and they're not going to respond well in the moment because they weren't in a position to receive that feedback. So as much as possible, framing it in a way that it will be a pill that they can actually swallow is going to benefit you all <laughs> in the long run. Um, as an editor, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about this, constantly giving feedback to writers. I'm being paid when I'm editing a client's work. I am being paid to give helpful and constructive criticism. I am being paid to tell them what is wrong with their work, but they're giving me money. So I can't be an absolute jerk about it. Um, I have to be careful that I'm not just like happy clappy praising them because they, again, they are paying me to be constructive and that's not constructive, but I also have to be super careful how I present my criticism because I often don't know my client personally. I might not know them very well at all. And I don't know how sensitive they're going to be. I don't know, um, have they ever sent their work out to someone else before? Is this the very first time they're ever getting feedback on it? Um, I don't know that. So the way that I approach it is I want to be as gentle as possible, as encouraging as possible, and then give them their money wor money's worth and be as helpful as possible. And I'll just go over a couple of tips that I've found. Um, allow the writer to accept the criticism in the most helpful way. Um, one of the big ones that I see in a lot of editing conversations is to avoid using the word you. Avoid targeting the person essentially. It creates this targeted effect where you're putting a bullseye on them and you're saying, you're doing this. Um, this is also like conflict management. You're pointing the finger and that automatically brings up the defenses and the writer's just going to be like, they're going to back up. They're going to have their, their guard up. They're going to get defensive immediately. So if you can avoid using the word you um, and couch things in I language. So I felt this as I was reading it, or I bumped on this because it was phrased this way. I wonder if it'd be more effective this way. Or um, another really helpful one with this kind of stuff is considering the reader or other readers may see this this way, that kind of language, because chances are if they've sent it to you to beta read or to edit or to workshop or whatever it is, they want their work out in the world. They want other readers reading it. So they have a target audience, whether they know what that is or not. And you can leverage that. You can say, okay, if I was a reader of this genre and I was coming to this book with this mindset, this is how I would approach it. And then you're taking the, you're taking the weight off of the, the writer's shoulders. You're taking it off of them and their mindset and you're getting yourself into the reader's headspace and you're thinking about somebody else. And then the way that you're presenting your criticism allows the writer to do the same thing in that moment rather than feeling like they're being attacked. So this is super helpful to make sure they don't take it personally and they can get the most out of it. Um, and then, Another thing that I try to avoid is language like I don't like or this is wrong. So being super legalistic about it is not helpful. Saying that's bad, don't do that is it's it's just like as soon as you hear that, you know, your guard goes up, right? You just automatically you want to put your hands yeah. up on your face and be like, I, I, I can't I can't handle that. I can't take that right like, now. I can't process this. <laughs> yeah, brain not working. <laughs> so I, I try to avoid that as much as possible. I try to say not to mm -hmm. say I don't like this, this this is yucky or this was bad and you shouldn't do it that way. Like that kind of language um, it's similar to the word you, it's, it's targeting them. It's a statement that's going to be difficult for anyone to hear in the moment. And most of the time it's more constructive to keep the onus on yourself so that the writer can, can find some space and some distance from the comment. And then something like, 
I bumped on this line and I wonder if it would be more effective rephrased this way. Or I had trouble relating to this character because X and Y, you can leverage your personal experience, whatever you want to do. Or I found the amount of information in this passage overwhelming. As I was reading through it, I couldn't keep track. And I wonder if the world building could be spread out a little more so that it's not coming to the reader all at once. So then you're putting it on yourself. You're saying, I struggled with this. I didn't know how to take this. And here is why. And then the writer can take that and be like, okay, they can, they can have empathy in the moment. They can see what you're saying and then they can say, okay, how will I fix that? Um, and it just, it positions them so much more effectively to receive that feedback and to make it work. So as we've said before, if you're in a group of a bunch of people, you're going to, you're going to jump on a bunch of different opinions. You're going to have a whole bunch of different things coming your way and they're not always going to agree. Um, and this can lead to some tricky problems and it's always fun to try and navigate those so we thought we'd we'd um bring up some of those and some of the some of the things you might run into that you have to navigate that are a little more difficult yeah so if any of you and i'm sure you have have done a group project before you remember those lovely things from high school and (laughs) university where half the group was doing all the work one person never showed up and one person turned in absolute garbage like hot garbage work. Um, (laughs) You know what it's like when you're working in a group. The thing I find with with writing groups, though, is everybody wants to be there. So you run into that less, Mm -hmm. but you are still going going to run into a few things like uh, people kind of not pulling their weight. So if someone's normally a great contributor and they're having a bad couple months or they opt out because they're super busy at work, Mm -hmm. I mean, don't don't bother saying anything at all. But if you have someone who only ever comments negatively or they're, they leave the bare minimum of comments on their work and you're doing like 100% more work on their pages than they're doing on yours, um, it is whoever is the group leader, whoever that designated person is, uh, it's their responsibility to bring it to their attention privately. And I was just going to add to, you might not need to bring it to the group leader's attention. It might be something you can yeah. just address the person. Because if you notice that yeah. that they're they're doing this consistently on your work, they might not be doing it to other people. It mm-hmm. might just be like you're not writing in their genre or whatever it is, whatever mm-hmm. issue they have, and they're not conscious of it. It might be worth just bringing it to that person's attention privately, sending them an email and saying, mm-hmm. hey, I've noticed this. It's maybe a little bit uncomfortable. I'm wondering if you could like tone it down or just focus on a different kind of feedback. Like there's, there's different mm-hmm. ways you can phrase it to keep it civil and keep it just gentle. Like this is conflict management now. This is <laughs> similar to what I was saying before. Yes. Um, avoid those you statements and avoid the I don't like and you're a jerk. Like that's not going to get you very far. <laughs> not going to help anybody. <laughs> but if but if you if you want to address that person, bring it up with them directly. Um, mm-hmm. Just be upfront about it and be honest and say, I've been uncomfortable with this or this has made me feel mm-hmm. a little bit um, a little bit off. I'm wondering if you could focus on a different thing. I think that can be received really well and that could end up mm-hmm. being really helpful in the long run. It can, and you will run into uh, addressing sensitive topics in your group. Um, you know, don't be afraid to remind your group that you're all here for the same reason. You're here because you want to write, you want to get feedback on your writing and you want to be supportive and, and have a little community. Uh, so if someone says something that is racist or sexist, uh, or if they, something in their writing comes across that way, definitely say something about it. (laughs) it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, 
And if you if someone says that about your writing, um, don't double down and, and defend it. They didn't say that to be contrary. Like they said it because mm-hmm. it came across that way to them. So take a step back and look at your writing and say, okay, does that come across a little, little sexist or does this come off a little mm-hmm. racist or can I fix the wording on this so that it is more inclusive? Like you'll run yeah. into that as well. So it's important to kind of be open with your group about this because you want to fix these things uh, in a small group setting like this before you move on to sharing your work with with the great wide world. Yes, so that we can avoid <laughs> avoid all those scathing Goodreads reviews. Exactly. They are terrifying. <laughs> I am so scared of those. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, considering how you talk to other writers about their work in equal portion, you want to consider how you receive that feedback. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, if someone says, I read this and it felt racist to me, or I read this and it felt like a sexist comment and I didn't like how women were portrayed in this situation, doubling down and saying, well, no, I wrote it this way because, or whatever that is, is not going to promote helpful conversation, most likely. Like We're not in the group to debate those issues with each other. Mm -hmm. We're there to flag, this is how it made me feel. This is how it might make other readers feel. Um, and then it's your job as the writer who has been given that feedback to look at it critically and see, okay, I could maybe rephrase it so that that is just not an issue anymore. Or maybe I need to look deeper. Maybe I have made this portrayal and it's not healthy. Like that could be, Mm -hmm. we all have these internal biases and these ingrained things that we've learned from our culture, from our families, from the people around us. And we're not always aware of them. We're so stuck in them that we don't realize we've been wrong for years sometimes. And it's so hard to confront yourself and to be objective about that and to say, oh my God, I have been wrong about this since I've been born, essentially. That that can be <laughs> how it feels like. That's an unpleasant realization, yeah. but becoming self-aware is, I mean, part of being an adult. But also mm-hmm. I think writers uh, get to that a little faster than than others they probably can yeah because you're getting all this feedback from other people Mm -hmm. and they're they're flagging that for you and it's like okay no i have to if i want to become a better writer and if i want to Mm -hmm. avoid really harsh criticism (laughs) i need to get better i need to be a better person so i've found Mm -hmm. that this has been um a good way to address some of those things and i find like the Mm -hmm. easiest the healthiest way to address this in a workshop setting is to make sure that i personally as an individual because that's that's where I have the most control. I can't control how other people enter the yeah. workshop. But for me, when I enter a workshop setting, when I know people are going to be commenting and critiquing my work, I want to enter that with the awareness that I have these biases. I have these cultural, societal, family things that have mm-hmm. been just ingrained into my skull and they may not line up with everyone in the group. In fact, like, it's guaranteed that they won't always line up with everyone. Um, but yeah, I just remind myself, I'm not here to have a debate with anyone. It helps that I'm a total coward, so I wouldn't do that anyways. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I'm not here to have a debate. I'm not here to change their mind. I'm here to offer an alternate view. I'm here to offer an alternate opinion that they may not get from someone else so that the writers that I work with have this wealth of knowledge and they can draw from a diverse setting. I'm not the only voice in their group. There are other people and they're going to have other opinions. They have other experiences to draw from that I know nothing about. And that is valuable. Like I keep that in my head all the time. That is so much more valuable than if we all joined in, we all thought the same way, we all read the same stuff. And we were just praising each other all the time. We would never improve. Oh my goodness. So this helps keep me calm in the face of these differing opinions. It helps ensure that I don't feel the need to argue with anyone either if I happen to disagree with them. Because sometimes, like if it's 
someone's being racist or their comment comes across as racist or it comes across as sexist, mm-hmm. it's this it's this unhealthy portrayal of a group of people, then yes, I want to flag that and I want to gently bring that up. And it'll be uncomfortable because we are not good at conflict as human beings. We um, inflate things to the nth degree and it just gets ugly really fast. But definitely flag things if they're problematic. <laughs> that said, again, and I'm trying to just drive this home. It's not a debate platform and we're not, we're not going to change someone's life in a single workshop conversation. Like we can't approach the conversation thinking that that's what's going to happen because then it just gets ugly really fast. If someone's being really sticky about their opinion, even a public debate, even a pl- private debate over email, it's not going to change their mind. Like I, that, that is my worldview. Like it, that setting is not constructive for changing someone's minds. Debates don't typically change people's opinions. They entrench the listener into their own side even further because they're just hearing that mm-hmm. reinforcing bias, that further confirmation. True confrontation of an opinion and bias typically the way that I've seen it actually work is when you're in a close relationship with that person, you have a trusted bond and then you're more likely to actually listen to the other person. And likely the members of your workshop group aren't all going to be quite that close. Like that's not really the appropriate setting no. for that. So don't go in go don't go in expecting to change someone's mind. Um but do go in knowing that you're not going to agree with everything. Um mm-hmm. cuz if you go in expecting to be able to change people's worldview just by, you know, throwing in an opinion, um that's only going to cause more discomfort for the rest of the group and could lead to things falling apart. So it's yeah, really important to go in with a humble posture, knowing that your opinion might not be the only one. It's definitely not going to be the only yeah. one, and it might not be the right one. It might be, but it might not be. So mm-hmm. there's just a whole bunch of um, whole bunch of ways to approach that in a healthy and constructive form. And the other thing is when you're getting feedback on your work, say there's six people giving feedback, one person has a very strong opinion about something in your story that doesn't work for them, um, however they want to label it, and the other five didn't mind it at all, yeah. you're probably okay. Yeah. I mean, I would probably get further eyes on the work just to be sure. But sometimes you're gonna you're gonna hit a nerve on someone that, you know, it's it's something that they personally are mm-hmm. dealing with and it's it's not really a reflection on your writing. Mm-hmm. So you, that's the benefit of workshop groups is you get the variety of people looking at your work and you get their variety of their backgrounds and everything like that. And they will have totally, they'll view your work differently. Uh, each of them will view it differently. Yeah. And that's how you, you know, you get a good idea of what it's going to be like when it gets out there in the world. Like, again, with the Goodreads reviews, um, <laughs> read a review for a book I read recently. And I was like, you know, there was some addiction in the book and uh, they dealt with it well. And one of the reviews was like, oh, well, I just don't think that that's how, like, there's no way that would work. You could never deal with addiction this way. And like, they were very uh, close-minded about it. Mm-hmm. And as someone who who knows recovering addicts and what they go through and, and what that process actually looks like, I was like, well, I mean, you're just flat out wrong. I'm not going <laughs> to argue with this person in the reviews. But to me, when I read that, I said, well, they probably just don't have the life experience that I have. They probably don't know anyone like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's something to take into account as well. Yeah, so that might sound like a lot. Um, there's a lot of things to consider, and we may have gone down on a, a little negative rabbit trail there. But no, honestly, fielding different opinions is just 
good life experience. Like I can't tell you how much my conflict management has in daily life has improved from having to think so, so deeply and critically about how I communicate with people when I'm trying to be constructive. Like I can't just say whatever comes to mind with no filter because it's going to affect people differently. And especially when you're doing it by text or over email, when it's all written, you don't have your verbal um, cues. You don't have your visual cues. You don't have that body language to fall back on. Like sarcasm does not translate. Don't try that. I recommend not ever using sarcasm in written form because it's way too easy to misconstrue. Even if you think it's obvious, I promise you it's not going to be obvious on the other end, especially if the other person just doesn't use sarcasm as much. Some people are super sarcastic and some people are just more straightforward and sarcasm doesn't come naturally to them. Um, and you don't know. You don't know how that person on the other end of the email is going to respond to it. So... Um, at this point, I think because of how I've had to think about this, I'm so much more willing to have an uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation with someone about like all sorts of things, not just writing things. Um, and I attribute that directly to what we just talked about to thinking really, really critically about how I'm, how people will receive what I'm about to say. And it might sound like policing. Some people might think like, why can't I just say what I want to say and just have it be as it is without having to be so careful and so analytical and, oh, that takes so much time. Um, but I just, I don't see it that way. I see it as like, it's more of, it's life practice in healthy ways to deal with people who have vastly different life experience than my own. I don't know what's going to offend someone. And I can't possibly know that. I can't police my language to that extent. But when I say something that offends someone, I'm going to learn from that experience. That That is my posture because I don't want to do it again. That's harmful. And sure, I might come into a situation with more insight on something, but I guarantee you just from my experience with this group alone, the people that I'm interacting with are going to teach me so much more than I could ever hope to teach them. And I want to approach the situation in a humble posture where I'm able to accept that because it's going to be so much more beneficial in the end. And no matter how much you watch, watch your mouth, (laughs) um, not everything you say is going to land well, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't control that, right? We can just control ourselves and do the best Mm -hmm. that we can do. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so in terms of how, the workshops have helped me. I totally agree. It's helped my communication. Definitely. Um, but in terms of like my work, my writing has changed so much Mm -hmm. since we started workshopping. I used to have the hardest time, um, giving my characters like their own voice. Like they Mm -hmm. all sounded the same. That was a huge struggle that I had. I never started my story in the right place. Like I really should have been starting on chapter three, (laughs) you know, and I was the adverb queen. It was like all I did. I finally (laughs) broke that habit. And that literally took years to fix that. That's a tough one. And um, I had a lot of trouble like keeping track of my characters and scenes and like showing where they were without just being like, so, so standing here. Mm. And it took quite it's taken a lot of practice. And I think having people point those things out and help me fix them over time. I mean, when we were making notes for this workshop, or for this podcast, pardon me, (laughs) I had to actually be like, what did I used to do that was so difficult? I had to really think about it because it's been worked out of me over time. For sure. And that's been, I could not have done that on my own. Uh, I've become a more critical reader and my taste in books has changed, I would say for the better. And I... I got out of a reading slump that I'd been in for a long time where I just didn't enjoy what I was reading and reading everyone's pieces in the workshop and a lot of them being more fantasy focused. I was like, man, I haven't read fantasy much. Like I'm going to 
pick up some fantasy books and Elise recommended some to me. And it's like, uh, now I'm just reading, I've read 22 books in 2021. So far. life has changed and forever. It's mid-May. <laughs> <laughs> but the absolute best part was uh, before the writer's studio and before a workshop group, I didn't have any writing buddies. Mm. It was something I totally did on my own. None of my friends wrote. I didn't know anybody that did. I had no idea about the communities out there. Same. Had not a clue. And now I've got six workshop buddies mm. and uh, Elise is one of my best friends. Oh. So that is something that you will also get out of your workshop. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're adorable. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so get a workshop group. It will be one of the best things you can do for your writing. And it's so nice to have uh, writing buddies, mm-hmm. you know, makes such a difference in, in going to conferences. Oh, for one. Yeah. <laughs> going to those places where you feel like oh do I feel everyone's looking at me <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that's the tea on workshop groups all links will be in the show notes and you can reach us anytime at the teagrannies at gmail.com or follow us on instagram at the teagrannies podcast please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts it's time to put the kettle on we'll see you again in two weeks happy writing <laughs> <laughs>